Happy New Year and welcome to Free Trails Rollout of the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year Award presented by Ketone IQ. I'm your host, Dylan Bowman, and for the first 10 days of 2024, we will be counting down the top 10 trail athletes in the world for both men and women, as was voted on by a thousand trail running fans from around the world. Together with the athletes, we recount their seasons, contemplate highs and lows, meditate on some learnings, and look ahead to their goals for the future. As I said, Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the game-changing ketone supplement that is taking the endurance world by storm. You'll hear more from them later, but please visit the show notes for a link you can use for 30% off your first subscription of this amazing product. It's hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. And again, that link is in the show notes. Today, we're joined by the number three trail runners of the year, American heroes, Sophia Lockley and Zach Miller. Sophia, the Olympic Nordic skier, proving she is one of the best trail athletes in the world. Three huge victories on the Golden Trail World Series, first at the Mont Blanc Marathon, next at Sierras and All, and then lastly at the Pikes Peak Ascent. Sophia bringing home the overall win for the Golden Trail World Series. Zach Miller, the prefontaine of trail running, the human embodiment of hard work. He won the Terrawera 100-miler to start the year, finished a strong sixth place at the Long Trail World Championship, and then an all-time instant classic battle with Jim Walmsley to take home second place at UTMB, running under 20 hours on that humongous course. Congrats to Sophia and Zach. We'll play the interviews back-to-back in that order. Then we'll be back again tomorrow with the runners-up. Sophia Lockley, live from Italy. Welcome to the show. Congratulations on being number three trail runner of the year. Thank you so much. Definitely excited for that. It's a few days before Christmas. We were just bantering about what your plans are. You're uh, sort of wrapping up what has been an amazing season. So maybe fill the people in on what you're doing in Italy and how you're feeling closing out 2023. Yeah, it's definitely been um, quite the year. I can't complain, like way more success than I would have thought. And so that's always fun to end the year on that note. Um, But yeah, like I ended, ended the running season late October with Golden Trail, kind of like the fun, but also downside of the double sport is, yeah, basically just went right into the ski season um, into November and then have been racing um, for the past five, six weeks, um, skiing. And then, yeah, now I'm in Italy for a little bit of a break, um, before the end of the year. Um, so then I guess it's like December 30th or whatever. We start this like tour to ski that starts in Italy. Um, it's like a stage stage race. I find it much easier than a running stage race, <laughs> I will say. but it's like, I can't actually remember. I think it's like eight eight races, nine days, or maybe something like that. It's a lot of racing, but it's fun. Um, But yeah, that's kind of been my year, kind of back to back, never ending, but that's how I like it. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask you, like coming off such a spectacular running season, it would probably be nice to have some time to decompress, you know, at least psychologically, if not physically also. How do you manage that? Like, and and what's your level of motivation at this point to, you know, jump back on the Nordic skis and continue competing at such a high level? Yeah. I mean, I think that's still something I'm trying to navigate. I definitely was, I was a little bit worried because coming like end of October and at the finals for Golden Trail, I was 
like physically burnt out, but definitely like mentally burnt out as well. And like all I was thinking, I was like, oh no, I have to, I have like, I gave myself like four or five days where I just kind of like sat on the couch. Um, but I was like in also Norway. So like, I love to like, and have season end like beach vacation and totally <laughs> like separate, but that was not really realistic for, yeah, like this, whatever. I gave myself a few days um, and very much surprised myself by getting like probably more excited for the ski season than I had before. I don't really know. I think in general, I approached this whole ski or, or like ski season a bit differently. And so I was pretty excited to actually get into racing. Um, but it is tough that yeah, I guess basically my answer is that I haven't figured it out because I'm also now looking already ahead to the spring where I'm going to have once again, maybe three, four days from my last ski race and then try to get into running shape as fast as possible. Um, I think one of my, the benefits of being younger now is that I, I enjoy the like back to back nonstop, but I can imagine that it's not going to be super sustainable and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to actually need to figure out how to balance it a bit more, but yeah, like for me, just allowing, I give myself like a full week reset on each end or, or yeah, for each season. And I don't know, it's been, it's been enough. I think I, I'm definitely someone who is motivated by racing. So like that is easy to get excited about yeah. even when I don't like a full off season. It's so cool. I mean, being among the best in two different sports and yeah, I'm sure like there's a lot of, I don't know, maybe burnout just like from having to pin on a race bib and like constantly be going full gas, but also I'm sure there's a psychological freshness of changing sports too, that, you know, the two things probably benefit each other. I'd, I'm also interested, if you don't mind entertaining me a little bit, just like what it looks like, because I'm not somebody who follows the Nordic scene as much. I love watching it in the Olympics, but um, yeah. like what the next couple months look like for you in terms of like the travel and the number of races and things like that, because it's yeah. a fairly high volume of both, isn't it? Yeah. And I think maybe that's like, it's maybe more sustainable just because the running and the skiing seasons are actually like they're so different. The environments, the racing anyways, um, for skiing, it's like you race every weekend. It's normally two, two or three races. I'm not a sprinter, so I don't do three, but like you're racing at least twice a weekend, every weekend in a new country from like end of November all the way until April. And there's like a select few weeks that you go off. You probably get like three four weekends throughout the winter but yeah from november until april it's like new weekend new country new race and it's like for me like maintaining motivation and like avoiding burnout is much harder in the ski season for yeah. sure huh interesting so like the travel is pretty is definitely pretty brutal um and like going on six week long whatever vape trips where you are living out of your suitcase and in a new hotel every night. So yeah. Tiring. But, I can, I can imagine maybe before we start talking about your running season, which was amazing. Have your friends, colleagues, fellow competitors in the Nordic scene, like kind of noticed what you've done here? Because it seems like, you know, a model that others might be able to emulate to sort of 
do dual sports and compete at a high level throughout the year. Is there, are there other people who've been inspired by your example? Yeah, I actually, I think maybe at least in like spoken sense, they're like, Oh, I should do that. And I've, I've definitely like, cause there's a handful of skiers I know who are super strong runners as well. And I'm constantly like, come to this race. Like you actually, you would really surprise yourself. And so far, actually, no, there's definitely been a, a like a few skiers that have started to dabble in, like whether it be Golden Trail or like the World Cups or like I I do think there's like a little bit of a movement that could ha- play out because I think for me, like basically what I'm telling them is it's it's made me more motivated about skiing. I don't know if it's made me better at skiing, but for me, that's like less important. It's just ha- like being able to find ways to get super motivated about both sports oh. is yeah. Why I've chosen to do both. And so I'm kind of explaining that to other skiers and yeah, I mean, if my ski training has allowed me to have the success in running, it doesn't like, there's probably plenty of other skiers. Too yeah. That could, it's terrifying. Could, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, no, it's funny to like, especially in the like summers and when I'm at the running races, people are like, you really just roller ski and like, and I'm like, yeah, it really works. And I'm probably not going to like promote roller skiing because it's not that fun. But I think, uh, there's like a little bit of annoying. I don't know what, what the right term is, but yeah, like there's, there could be some fear of a wave of cross country skiers coming into running. Not, I'm not definitely not the first, like you can see now there's. Well, the schemo phenomenon's already evolved, right? So now maybe it's the, the, the Nordic athletes that are going to come start dominating. So let's talk about running. (laughs) Thanks for entertaining (laughs) me. That's, it's really fun to talk about. We should again, do a longer one. Uh, you had three awesome victories on the Golden Trail World Series this year. You won overall. Maybe we can just tick through some of those performances, have you say a couple words um, just to recap some of your awesome achievements. You started the Mont Blanc Marathon in June, broke the course record there, which is a big deal, won by a big margin. I remember watching the coverage and Mao Yao was off to an early lead before you caught up to her and then sort of had the race under control for the rest of the way. Anything you want to say about Mont Blanc marathon or, you know, in general, sort of like that transition you just talked about, like coming off the skis, getting into the running fitness again and having it start out so spectacularly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that could have gone any better. Like it was my first race of the year and also the first marathon I'd ever done. So on the start line there, I was like, Oh boy, I have no idea. This is going to go. I have no idea if I can run fast or if I can run for that long. So in that it did, I mean, I, I did end up totally blowing up in, in that sense, maybe it could have gone better in my pacing sense, but I, I think that was by far my favorite race this year. Like I had never really, maybe I'd been to Chamonix before, but that was just like such a cool race. And I, I, suffered but I really enjoyed that distance and it it gave me a lot of confidence just in that I mean I had a good chunk of running training leading into it after skiing but yeah it was super cool to have that like start off the year with that success so awesome and then Sierra's and all which I think was your first time competing at the legendary Swiss mountain race I've still never been but I recall it sort of played out similarly in that Madalena Floria was off to the early lead and then you caught up, had the race under control. 
And from what I've heard, that event is just like so special and a win there is such a great accomplishment, like a lifetime achievement award. And you join, you know, Megan Lazode and Stevie Kramer, who've both been American champions there. So I'd love to hear you talk about your experience at Sierra's and all too. Yeah, I think that was like, I was equally nervous, but had way, way less expectations for myself, but also others. Like people were like, don't come to this race. You're not going to do well. And I definitely like believe that. And so for me, I think I definitely perform well when I'm quote unquote, like underdog or like, there's nothing to lose. And mm-hmm. so for me, it came across as like perfect pacing and just nailed that like tactics of that race. But I really just started and I was like, most of it, I was in fourth or like half of it. I was in, yeah, I don't know, fourth, fifth and third. And then, um, I think like gradually throughout the race, like my mentality totally changed and I was like, okay, I feel good, but I never yeah, like it was truly just not even in the cards for me that I w- could actually maybe win that. And so for that race, it was much more like surreal feeling, I would say, than the winning in Mont Blanc and knowing like I don't think I can fully still appreciate the like what it means to win that race because mm. I I've been told about like the like iconic series and all and everything, but because I'm so new to trail running, like I it probably won't sink in for for a while but yeah I mean that was unmatched for sure like coming through the finish and like what people say about that race is totally true yeah awesome so I won't make you rehash every detail of the year but maybe we could package Pikes Peak and the Gold Trail World Final together and the other thing I'd love to hear you comment on is at least from an outside perspective it seemed like you and Judith Wider developed like a, a good friendly rivalry with each other yeah. throughout the year. You guys had a couple little back and forths. She got the better of you at Dolomiths, I think. And then, you know, obviously you won the, um, the series outright, including finishing ahead of her a couple of times. So uh, anything you want to say about Pikes Peak, the world final and, you know, the competition with Judith, I'd love to hear. Yeah, I think that's like something I've just loved about the running world is, I mean, we're all very, very competitive, but it's super fun that we can kind of root for each other while we're also trying to beat each other. Um, and so that it was cool because I this was my first season competing against Judith as well. And so, yeah, we like definitely had this like deep rivalry and I totally wanted to come back after Dolomites and beat her in Pikes. And so that was like a really fun race for me because it was the first like true head to head probably in any trail race I've had. Mm-hmm. And so that was it was very, very rewarding to be first in that. And then, yeah, I mean, the finals, I, it was, it was cool and fun for everyone else with how close it was between <laughs> us, but it was definitely very stressful. And that was definitely a tough point in the year for me where I was like really putting a lot more focus on skiing. Cause that was starting uh-huh. very soon. And so I, I definitely came to the finals probably like in not my best running shape, which I knew and like was intentional about. And so it was definitely like probably, yeah, it wasn't as like magical as the other races I had in yeah. the year, where, but like, that's kind of impossible to have a completely perfect season. And so it was really, I mean, the finals are going to be fun no matter what, cause it's just such a scene. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun to have, have some drama for sure. And now I can say that in the moment I was like, uh Oh, but luckily it was enough. 
Yeah, I love that they've engendered that spirit on the Golden Trail World Series where yeah. there is the friendly competition, best athletes in the world without question doing battle multiple times, yeah. but that there is the f sort of fun social element traveling together. And Judith made the list also. So it's great okay. to see you guys kind of go back and forth. Winding yeah. down now, I'd love to hear, uh, obviously we talked about what you have going on with your skiing. This is obviously a predominantly trail running oriented audience. So any plans right. that you want to reveal about where people can plan to see you race next year? I'm sure your fans would love to hear. Yeah. I mean, as of now, golden trail is kind of my focus just cause it's the whole short distance thing is really perfect for when I'm trying to be skiing. And so I, yeah, I, with the new schedule, I'd like to go to Asia and I I think I would have a hard time not going back to like Mont Blanc and Sears and all. And I'm, I have this like obsession with doing all the iconic ones. So I would love to do Zagama. Um, I definitely wanted to try and uh, do some qualifying for OCC, but that was not going to be in the cards for next year. So um, I'll, I'll leave that for another year, but that is definitely something eventually I want to do. Um, but yeah, that's, Definitely like nothing set in stone because I'm not good at planning, but that is kind of my agenda. Yeah. The season starts a lot earlier this year and I think April yeah. as opposed to June. Yeah. Isn't it? So that yeah, it will a little bit problematic, <laughs> but I, I like have a hard time saying no. So somehow yeah. I have to get into running shape in two weeks. Yeah. Um, well, it's exciting so, that they yeah. added the, those races in Japan and in China to the golden trail. World yeah. Series, and I'm sure it'll be fun, dramatic racing as always, and they always do a great job of keeping us all informed and entertained with their great coverage, so we'll look forward to seeing you there. I've been asking everybody the same closing question, that is just to give a shout out to one person on your team, or multiple people on your team, it can be, who exist mostly behind the scenes, but who are integral to your success as an athlete. Please give a person a shout out. Oh, man. Can I think for a second? Perfectly like in fine. running? Take your time. Yeah. However you want to interpret it. However you want to interpret it. it could be coach, training partners, friends, family, etc. I mean, for me, I I find the most in my teammates, and I'll give Malen on my Solomon team a shout out because she, yeah, just makes racing and training and having that like side by side. We're coming at like same time and everything. Um it's super fun to have her. That's Malinosa, is that right? Yeah. Because, okay, so she's she's a new character to me, but she had an awesome season too, and she's obviously yeah. a young rising star who I think landed on a lot of people's radar. It's cool that you guys are friends and good training partners. Well, Sophia, it's great to meet you here. Again, I can't, I'm a huge fan and I can't wait to go longer form with you, but I appreciate your time. Happy holidays to you and congratulations on being voted by global cohort of voters, number three in the world trail runner of the year. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Trail Runner of the Year is presented by Ketone IQ, the groundbreaking endurance nutrition product that is taking the world by storm. Scientifically proven to support endurance and recovery, Ketone IQ is trusted by some of the world's top performers, from Navy SEALs and Tour de France cyclists to pro athletes across all major sports, including now many of the world's best trail runners. I use Ketone IQ daily in my training and during my working hours, often right before recording podcasts or basically anytime I need 
need to be on my A game because that's what this is. Ketone IQ is A game juice. There's a bunch of research on their website, but a couple important stats to leave you with here. Ketone supplementation has been shown to lead to a 7% improvement in cognitive performance. They're 28% more efficient sources of energy than glucose, which you find in most energy gel products. And finally, ketones have been shown to produce a 2% improvement in endurance. You can find references to this literature again on their website. These are huge numbers that the sporting world is starting to wake up to. Ketone IQ is on the cutting edge. This is the future of sports nutrition. Take advantage by visiting hvman.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off a subscription. hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Zach Miller, happy new year, my friend. Congratulations on number three trail runner of the year. Oh, thank you, Dylan. Uh, happy new year to you too. You got the Christmas tree behind you there back East in Pennsylvania. Still yeah. in a festive mood. It seems like, uh, yeah, I guess it's still, uh, still hanging around, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it's a uh, nice few days here in, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, heading back out West pretty soon, but, uh, enjoying my time here. Yeah. Amazing. It's a good time to just connect with your roots again, hang out with the family and decompress after an amazing year. And we're going to talk briefly about that amazing year, but I want to start with your most recent adventure, that being an attempted FKT, uh, in the Grand Canyon, the rim to rim to rim, the, one of the most iconic FKT routes in North America, for sure. And you posted that it was Rob Crar who gave you the nudge to make this attempt. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to be brought into that conversation. So tell us how Rob Crar persuaded you to give it a shot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a whole lot of persuading. Yeah, it was more just sort of like a gentle nudge. Um, we were in Italy together for our annual North Face Athlete Summit with, with all the athletes, not just the runners, um, climbers and everyone. And we were... Hey, Ainsley. Sorry, my niece is here. <laughs> That's okay. She, she might make, make, make a guest, guest appearance. Do you want to say hello? Do you want to say hello? Hey, Ainsley. <laughs> Aren't you cute? So, yeah. All right. I got to talk to my friend here. Is that okay? All right. <laughs> so, oh, her brother might want to say hi, too. This is, this is my nephew. My nephew Everett. Say hi, Everett. Oh, this is great. All right. What's up, Everett? <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Looking good. All right, buddy. Cool. You might hear them a little in the background. Um, but anyways, yeah, we were just at our athlete summit um in uh Italy this year, and we were sitting around me and me and Rob and Jen Lichter and I think a few others. And we got to talking about the canyon and it was, yeah, I don't know. He just, we were just kind of chatting about the canyon. Jen was, we were kind of like talking to Jen about it. Like, oh, maybe, maybe you should go for that record. Um, and, uh, and then Rob said something to me about the potential of me going for it uh, as as well. Um, and that was really it. It was really, it wasn't really like, uh, Oh, you should do that this year. Uh, or you should do that right now. It was more just like, uh, I don't know, like a casual, like, um, just like, I don't know, like that'd be a good one for you or whatever his, 
exact words were. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and that was that was it. And then that just sort of planted the seed, and I was just kind of like, oh well. I was like, I'm in good shape, and I don't really have any big race on my schedule. So yeah, because the yeah, option is like it, you either go back to JFK is, for you know the fourth time or whatever it's been, or you go to Cape Town or yeah. something like that, or you do a little yeah. personal mission in the canyon. <laughs> Yeah, so I was just kind of like, yeah, well, maybe I just, uh, like, maybe I just, uh, maybe I go do this. Maybe that's not a bad idea. I'll, I'll give that some thoughts. So, so yeah, then I just kind of like sat with it a bit, and um, yeah, and then I went back, went back to Colorado, and I decided, you know, I'd at least go down to the canyon and scope it out, and I got in my bus and drove down there, and. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, I actually thought maybe I was going to miss the window um, because I didn't really want to do it before Thanksgiving. Just where I was at with like my running and stuff. I was like, ah, I'd really like like a few more weeks to just kind of prep and then and then rest up a bit. So I was like, I'd prefer not to do it right right after right before thanksgiving but i knew that waiting until early december was going to be a a roll of the dice in terms of would there be snow at the north rim mm-hmm. um so yeah i went home for thanksgiving i rolled the dice went home for thanksgiving went to the running event in texas and then when i got back to flag the night i got back it was snowing and flag and i was like ah, i think and i had been checking some weather stuff and I was like, oh, I think I might have missed it. Um, but then I got in touch with like, got in touch with like Alicia Vargo and uh, Jared Hazen and Bronco Billy. And after chatting a bit and looking at weather, we were like, you know what? We think there might still be a chance. Um, so we gave it like a week of good sun. The canyon was getting like a week of good sun. Um, so we gave it like a about a week to melt up to to like melt out and whatnot and and then threw a little crew together um jared hazen um cordis and abby hall bronco yeah and then we all headed out to the canyon and gave it a rip which is pretty fun so you ran 611 you're roughly 15 minutes off jim's ridiculous fkt there how'd you feel about your effort and what did it make you feel about jim's performance from many years ago yeah i was happy with it i mean I mean, in terms of Jim's performance, it just, it just, um, it just says a lot about how good that time is. Um, but I could also tell that like, you know, it's kind of hard to, it's hard for people to understand that. I think it's hard for people from afar to understand the magnitude of that FKT and that record. Um, granted having said that, I think that Jim could probably go faster. And I think that you know, like, like pretty much any record in the world, I, I, I think things can get broken. Um, um, I mean, you know, one of the records that I thought would maybe never get broken this year got broken. Matt Carpenter, is that what, yeah, there you go. Yeah. In the Pikes Peak Ascent, um, and, and on a snow year, which, uh, actually I, I think maybe the snowy conditions actually did um, as oddly as it sounds, I think it may have actually worked in their favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, like that was a record I thought might never go. 
uh, and it's gone. Um, so yeah, I think the Canyon record is beatable, but I'll, I'll tell you what, like pretty much from the moment I got in the Canyon and started prepping for it, which I've been to the Canyon before. Um, but since I got down there this year and started prepping for it, it was pretty evident how strong that record is. Um, and like, I could just tell like like, when you got to the North Rim, Jim was flying. When you got to the North Rim, did you have a sense that the you know your your attempt was was already going to be a futile one? No, no. When I got to the North Rim, I actually thought I still had a chance, um, which I was happy about because I I did. I, it would be pretty defeating to get halfway through and be like, "Well, I'm only halfway through, and this is already sort of like not going to happen." Mm-hmm. Um, no, because the one thing about that record is if you talk to um, if you talk to people um, who know a little bit of the background there, um, I only talked to Jim a little bit about it. He, he actually, he made a comment when he talked to me about it of like, I don't know if I'd have the gut, have the balls to go out that hard again mm-hmm. in that, in that effort. Um, and he didn't really clarify that a whole lot when he said that, but then I talked to, um, I talked to Jared Hazen about it and, and like Bronco and they were saying that when Jim did that record, he was trying to go for a really, really fast rim to rim single um, crossing. And then he got over and mm-hmm. then he got over there. It was kind of like, uh, they said he actually like dilly dallied. He was like, ah, should I go back? And he like hesitated and then he did. Um, so he was over, I think in like two forty three or something. So Jared and I talked beforehand and Jared was like, I, he's like, I, he's like, I think you should be slow at the North Rim, like, mm-hmm. because of how Jim ran that, like, like he thought I should be slow. I shouldn't be shooting to hit Jim split. So, um, <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to be at the North. And Bronco was like, I, he's like, I think you can maybe negative split it. Cause there is like so much real estate on the way back that is just downhill. Yeah. Um, because that Canyon floor is like, it's the flat section, but it is, it's a, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's like a grinder on the way out. And then it's a really fast cruiser bit on the way back. Um, so you have this like 13 ish miles of just like downhill on the way back and then just a really hard climb out. Um, so anyways, a negative split is a lot to ask, but I I understood where Bronco was coming from. And so we were kind of like, well, I should be somewhere around three hours at the North rim, like preferably under, but I don't need to be at like 243 or whatever Jim did. Yeah. So I was like, if I get to the North rim, like under three, I I was like, I think I have a shot. And I got to the North rim at, uh, two, just barely two fifty nine thirty. So I was like, I was like, it's not over. I've got a shot. And even when I got back to Bronco for the climb out, I was still like, I have a shot, but I have to climb out really, really well. Yeah. Um, and, and that's it, you know, and, you know, I, I was about 16 minutes behind Jim at the North Rim and I was about 16 minutes behind Jim at the finish. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you, ran, you ran the second crossing about the same. About yeah. The same but split. I think also, I think Jim like stopped to fill water bottles and stopped to go to the bathroom on the way back <laughs> on his crossing. And I did, I did none of that. So, um, 
Yeah, definitely props to him. His effort was like super stout and yeah. and I imagine could go faster if he wanted to. Amazing. Well, thanks for entertaining me with that. It was really cool way to end your season. You were the second fastest person to ever do the rim to rim to rim, which is a great achievement in its own right. Pivoting to your racing season, you know, and again, this is meant to be sort of a more brief podcast, so we'll try and keep things uh, more abbreviated and not take up your whole day. Obviously, you started by winning the Terraware 100 miler at the beginning of the season, getting your qualification for UTMB at the end of the summer. We all know what happened there. So maybe let's spend some time talking about the things that you did in between. I'd love to hear you just talk about the world championship briefly and especially the battle that occurred within Team USA that pushed you all to a silver medal together. What do you remember about that day and what made it special, you know, competing with Drew and Eric uh, to get that silver medal? Yeah, I mean, I think the team component is a lot of what makes that race special for me. Um, you know, from uh, from a personal side, I, I think it was a strong race for me, not my, my not my strongest race of the year. Like, I, I, I left it feeling like, oh, I had a good race, but I didn't have a great race. Like, there was something something just wasn't quite clicking, you know? Um, but, but from a team perspective, like, yeah, I mean, to be able to fight for, you know, we ended up silver, but we were very much in the fight for, for team gold, um, which wasn't really like so much an occurrence to me or like so much like in my mind until the last 10 miles or so of the race, when people were starting to tell us things and be like, you know, hey, you're, you're like, in the fight for gold or whatever. And I think I don't even didn't even completely understand what they were trying to tell me at that point mm -hmm. <laughs> in the race. Um, but yeah, like it came down to like the final, final descent. I looked back over my shoulder and I had been going back and forth with one other guy. And then I looked over my shoulder and um, there was Drew and, and Eric just like uh, barreling down on me. Um, and then I just like bombed the last downhill, you know, tr trying to, you know, trying to stay ahead of them. But like it, it did, it was re a really strong team effort too. Like Drew actually caught me and then he and I were kind of like working together. I was like, I didn't know if he knew all of the course from there to the finish. And I did. So I was like yelling instructions at him from behind of like left turn right turn <laughs> you know because i didn't want him to miss anything um and then we just like we came in him and i like basically to a sprint finish um and then eric came in like i don't know like 30 seconds after us which was great because all of a sudden i think we were the first team to get three guys into the finish yep. the french were still waiting for their last guy so it was sort of like pins and needles for a while to see if we would win or not but then their their last guy came in and we we missed it by like five minutes but the, the drama but yeah it was cool to fight like that as a team uh and have that that excitement yeah definitely a high one of the big moments of the year i would just revisited the results this morning and thibaut garivier who finished fourth was only like a minute ahead of drew. So between yeah. fourth and seventh, you guys were only separated by like 90 seconds or something, which is testament to yeah. the level we, of these world championships. We, yeah. And I didn't know. Um, I didn't know like how close he was to us exactly, uh, but he was like right there apparently. And yeah. The poor guy that finished, let's see. 
Drew was fifth. I was sixth. Eric was seventh. The poor guy that finished like eighth or something. He was this pretty young guy, I think, from like, I think maybe the Czech Republic. Uh-huh. And the dude just got like his, he just got like his hopes and dreams shattered in like the last five miles because he just got rolled by like all three of us, which is like, I had been going, I had caught this kid and I thought I had maybe dropped him, but every time it got like kind of technical and like not up, like every time it got sort of like flat and down and not, and kind of technical, he would catch me again. And I was going back and forth and just like, couldn't quite shake this guy. And then as soon as I saw like Drew and Eric, I just like, I just found this like other, this other realm and just took off. And the poor kid just, I think he was hurting so bad. And he just, he just got rolled by like me and then Drew and then Eric, probably all within like a minute. <laughs> you're, you're and he probably, just dropped like, yeah. like three places, like just like that. <laughs> Shout out to Tomah Farnik, who I think you're referencing here from the Czech Republic. Yeah. And what a great yeah, the, service, the, what a great service you provided to that youngster. He will be a better athlete for having that experience battling against oh, you guys he, at the end. He ran great. I was so <laughs> impressed. I was like, I have no clue who this kid is. Like, cause he seemed like a young kid from the Czech Republic. I think it was like no poles was just like doing the whole race without poles. And I was like, this kid is a crusher. Um, Amazing. but yeah, he just sort of. He, he, he sort of unfortunately ended up in the middle of the American storm and yeah, <laughs> it's a rough way to end a race, I think. So Zach, we can start winding down now. I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to hear you just maybe reflect on UTMB. It's been five months or something since that incredible second place running under 20 hours and what will go down as his in history is one of the best, like one, two duels between you and Jim Walmsley. With five months of perspective, any any things that have been sticking out in your memory or things that you've been thinking about about that really special day? Oh man, I yeah, not probably not too much so. Like, I don't know. I just still look back and yeah, feel I don't know, very grateful for you know, the way it ended up and you know, that all the all the training, you know, you spend a lot of times you guys spend a lot of time training and uh you know working pretty hard to put something like that together and um the whole time you're not sure like especially because of the way i approached it this year i i didn't know if i had set myself up for a great success or a great failure um because i i roll i kind of maybe rolled the dice a little um took a bit of a gamble but yeah i just i look back and i'm i'm super grateful that i was able to go out there and have a race like that and and it was great to be able to share it with Jim. And we've, 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 hu- we've hung out some since and cause he's, he's back in flag now. And yeah. we hung out some while I was down there. And so it was nice to be able to like share some more time together. Um, but yeah, no, I think I don't like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very pleased with how it went and Good grateful man. for that. As you should be. So looking ahead now, you were, Fortunately drawn in the hard rock lottery, the lottery gods smiled upon you a few weeks ago. What are you thinking about for the 2024 season outside of hard rock, which I'm assuming you will take advantage of that entry. Is there anything else you'd like to reveal to the audience about where they might be able to see you compete next year? Um, yeah, it's still a bit up in the air. Um, yeah. Hard rock is the big goal. Um, I, 
hard rock is the big goal um there i will probably also be going out to uh trans grand canaria um in february i've been that's what i've been pointing myself towards um you know i've been playing a bit of that cautious game of like oh, let's kind of see how i feel um but uh especially because you know it's an early race um but that's that's what I have my eye on. And then after Hard Rock, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I am giving I am giving a lot of thought to uh, uh, Gary Robbins' new race up in Canada. Um, I know it's not it's not all set in stone yet. He he's I've been in communication with him as he's working on it, trying to get it off the ground. Um, but I'm thinking that there's a decent shot. That's where I'll be focusing my efforts post hard rock. Um, of course, like, you know, there are still some things pending there in terms of just like, you know, it's a new event that he's trying to, trying to get up and going. So, um, you know, there could be a shift, but that's, that's been the, the, you know, similar to trans grand Canaria. That's where my eye has been. Um, so yeah. And if I would do that, then that month that there's a good chance that would be the end of my ultra season. Maybe there would be some, some sub ultra stuff after that. Um, but I also might just like shut down and get ready for another year then. Cause I don't, I don't normally do more than three ultras in a year. Yep. So, although I don't know, my perspective has been changing a little, I think my body has been developing. So <laughs> I'm sort of, sort of toying with what may or may not be possible, I guess. Well, what a great calendar. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you raising here pretty soon at Trans Grand Canaria. And that field is shaping up really nicely. So it's going to be a good test to start your year. I've been asking everybody the same final question, Zach, and that is just to ask you to give shine or recognition or thanks or gratitude to somebody on your team who helped contribute to your success this year, who doesn't get enough credit. Oh, who doesn't get enough credit uh, on our team? Friends, uh, friends, family, training partners, oh, anybody who helped. Oh, 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 yeah. Like just in my team in general. Yeah. I thought you meant specifically my North Face team. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many people. I, I guess just like, I would, I would, I'm just, I'm going to keep it general, just like all of my, basically just like all of my close family and, and friends who, you know, sort of put up with everything that I go about doing to try and make the good performances happen. Um, you know, there's just a lot of time spent training and I'm not always the most organized with it. So things are sometimes kind of haphazard and I do things at weird hours and, I'm, you know, rushing back in at the last minute for Christmas brunch or Christmas dinner or, you know, Thanksgiving lunch or whatever. So, um, you know, or people just like sort of, you know, being very gracious with how I manage my time and, and the things I have to get done. So just shout out to all, all of those people. It goes beyond just family. Love it. Well, I'm sure your family is really enjoying your presence home for the holidays Happy New Year to you, buddy. I'm looking forward to seeing you race in Trans Grand Canaria in just whatever, like maybe six weeks time at this point. I appreciate you coming yeah, back yeah, on the show. Yeah, six weeks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, congratulations on everything you achieved and, and congratulations for being number three trail runner of the year. Or eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you. That's it for today. Tune back in tomorrow as the countdown continues for the 2023 Trail Runner of the Year presented by Ketone IQ. Speaking of which, don't forget, go get some ketones. HVMN.com forward slash free trail 30 for 30% off your subscription. Thanks so much to Ketone IQ for supporting the Trail Runner of the Year. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Love you. Bye. <laughs>